is Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Wednesday, July 26, 2023, and today will be better than yesterday. Taylor Schwenk, Sarah Abbott, Bruce Baldwin, the backbone of the show, are they're all back in Connecticut. I'm Buster only working from my home in Montana. Taylor, how are you feeling today? Because that was the sort of defeat last night for your Orioles that rip your guts out. Yeah, that's tough. I, I'm rationalizing it as, you know, that's just baseball. These losses are going to happen. Harder, though, to take because Kevin Nagani was taunting me on Twitter, which was extremely rude. Really? Of yes, he was. Really? The nicest guy I'm at going after you? I, you know, and I can relate to that because I'm a Vikings fan. Mm-hmm. And how often has his, have his Eagles, uh, like, crushed my Vikings in the last five years? It's kind of been awful. Ugh. And so get And Kevin... Kevin doesn't hold back when he does that stuff. He does. You know what? He doesn't. I think we need to dispel this notion that he is the nicest guy at ESPN because he'll, yeah. when it comes to sports, when it comes to your team, he's going to knife you. You know, he's going to hit you where it hurts. So let's get him on the show on Friday. That, I think that would be fun. That's a great you know? idea. Okay, let's do it. Get him on the show. And you guys will be coming off the Phillies Orioles series and whatever, however that turns out. The one thing I would say did it make you feel like, because the back end of the Orioles bullpen has been so great this year, did it make you feel like you got to add something before the deadline? Absolutely. And I, for a while, I was like, let's get these guys like Fujinami, but guys like him, you know, kind of a flyer, lottery ticket guy, as you would say, but I think we need a real guy with a, with a track record, a bona fide arm, if you will. Yeah. And they're going to be those type of guys who move before that deadline on Tuesday, uh, lots to talk about today. We're going to be speaking with Eduardo Perez. David Schoenfield will join us. And I have a theory about sort of how the market's uh, developing and how the standings are developing that uh, I-, I hope you find interesting. Last night, the Giants trying to make the playoffs, of course, after having such a down year in 2022. Well, they came back to beat the Oakland Athletics with help from Mikey Stremski. The pitch. Swing and a smash! It's fair! Pass the bag at first and down the right field line. Matos around third. He'll score. And coming to third and being held there now is Davis. They throw back behind him. He had come around third. The throw went into second base. But the main thing is there. Yastrzemski has delivered in the clutch that big hit. And it is 2-1 to Giants. That was John Miller and KNBR. Uh, that was the final score, two to one. So on a night when the Giants won, the Dodgers potentially could lose ground. They were down seven to three going into the bottom of the ninth inning. But you know what? They would come back with James Outman applying the coup de grace. One-one pitch. This one's hit well, deep to right center. Back it goes. It is off the top of the wall. Here comes Taylor around third, and the Dodgers win it. The Dodgers win it. A walk-off hit in the bottom of the tenth for James Outman. Once around the park, James. Eight-seven Dodgers. It was a crazy win for the Dodgers. That would call, of course, from Tim Neverett of the Dodgers radio network. Staying in the National League West, the Diamondbacks played host to the Cardinals, and the Cardinals took an early lead. There goes Goldie, the 3-2 pitch is swung on and missed, the throw to second, and now coming home is Donovan, and he's safe. The Cardinals pull off a double steal. Perfectly done by Goldie, who took off and then he stopped. And Donovan got the perfect jump off of third on the throw by Carson Kelly down the second base. 
and the Cardinals have pulled it off. One nothing, St. Louis. Yeah, the Diamondbacks have been struggling of late. Four wins in 17 games going into that game on Tuesday night. Corbin Carroll started the game on the bench because he's been struggling a bit, maybe a little bit tired after having that great first half. He came off the bench to do this. Here's the 0-1 to him. And a high fly ball center field. On the run out there is the center fielder, Carlson, and he can't get it. Up off the wall. Two are going to score. Carroll's on his way to third. He's got a triple. And the Diamondbacks lead it by a score of 3-1. to one. That ball just kept carrying. Final score there was Diamondbacks 3, Cardinals 1. That's sound from Arizona Sports 98.7 FM. The Rockies place outfielder Chris Bryant on the injured list with a fractured finger. Presumably, he's going to miss the rest of the season. And these first two years of his contract in Colorado have not been good. Aaron Judge is moving closer to a return. Uh, he uh, has been taking batting practice down in Florida. Aaron Boone, the Yankees manager, said he wouldn't rule out the possibility that Judge would play against the Orioles this weekend. The Yankees started their series against the Mets in Yankee Stadium last night. Justin Verlander was on the mound. He was terrific. Six good innings, and he was backed by Pete Alonso. The 1-1 drilled in the air to deep center. Bader going back at the truck at the wall. He can't get it. It's gone. A home run. Pete Alonso hits it off the screen in front of the batter's eye right out at Monument Park in straightaway center field. Alonso's second home run of the game, his 28th of the year. He is 3-for-3. Three three. He has driven in all of the Mets' runs, and the Mets have a 5 to nothing lead on Pete Alonso night in the Bronx. That was a great Howie Rose on WCBS. The Mets win the game 9-3 over the Yankees. The Reds, the Brewers, in a battle for the top of the National League Central. And, look, there have been a lot of rumors out there about Jonathan India, whether the Reds would make him available in a trade. And I I think unless the uh, Reds were to get back a controllable starting pitcher, someone like Logan Gilbert of the Seattle Mariners, can't imagine them trading him because he's so important to the team as he demonstrated in the top of the fourth inning, giving the Reds a lead last night. The pitch. And a ground ball pulled fair down the third baseline, and it kicks away from Monasterio. Here comes the runner around third to score, and around the third base is McLean India. Drives home T.J. Friedel to give the Reds a one nothing lead. That from 700 WLW, the Reds wound up winning that game 4-3. to The Rays, trying to regain traction after giving up the lead, the American League East faced the Marlins, and they got a big hit in the bottom of the sixth. Rays trying to add to their 3-1 lead in the sixth. They're trying. It's been hard to get past the three-run mark. Oh, they might have just done it. Lau with a deep drive to right field, and into the stands it goes. Home run! Brandon Lau having himself a night, and the Rays have a 4-1 lead. That would be the final score of that from 620 WDAE. The Phillies, the Orioles. Uh, this is the game that Taylor and I were talking about a little bit ago. Uh, bottom of the ninth inning, the Orioles had the lead. Then this happened. And the pitch. Stott swings, rips it down into the right field corner. It'll roll all the way to the wall. Harper is off to the races, into third. He's being waved home. There will be no relay, and this game is tied on a two-out RBI double by Bryson Stott. 3-3 here in the bottom of the ninth.
Matt from Sports Radio 94 WIP, and this is what it sounded like with Alec Bohm at the plate. The righties pitch, swing and a ground ball through the left side. It's a base hit, and the Phillies have won it. Alec Bohm walks him off. Three straight hits to close out the game as the Phillies wake up in the ninth to win it 4-3. to three. The Guardians face the Royals, and Bo Naylor had himself a night. Now the 3-1 pitch. There goes the runner, and the pitch is swung on, lifted high in the air to deep right center, and it is a home run for Naylor. A two-homer game for Bo Naylor. And his two-run shot makes it 4-1 to Cleveland. That from WTAM, 1100. The Guardians win that game 5-1. to And the Angels right now at the tipping point. We've been talking about them for a couple weeks here, whether or not they would trade Shohei or Otani. Are they actually competing for a playoff spot, not competing for a playoff spot? They had won six out of nine games out of the break going into last night's game. In the bottom of the ninth inning, a lead began to hemorrhage. Give a listen to what happened in the bottom of the ninth. Torkelson waiting the 1-1, swinging a fly ball, center field. This one's deep. Moniak going back onto the track, and he misplayed it. One hop over the wall, two runs in. Tigers tied at six. Oh, my goodness. So the Tigers tied the score at that point. That was Dan Dickerson, 97.1, the ticket. Did you see the reaction, Taylor, of the other Angels players? Like, God, he misplayed. Oh, no. <laughs> no Carlos Estevez, the closer, was like, no. <laughs> I did not, but uh, it seems like quite the roller coaster ride they're on right now. Yeah, apparently it was because that same Mickey Moniak who misplayed that fly ball came to the plate in the top of the 10th inning, the score tied. Here's the next pitch, and this is a bouncer. It's by the first baseman. That ball's going to roll down the right side. Moustakis will walk in and score. And hustling up to second base will be Moniak, and he has an RBI double. So the Angels are right back on top in this ball game with a 7-6 lead and have another runner in scoring position with one out. That was Terry Smith, Angels Radio, AM 830. And the Angels would hang on to win 7-6. Uh, with the, them closing out the Tigers in the bottom of the 10th inning. So the Angels now 7-3 and three since the All-Star break. Taylor, what else you got? Buster, I failed to mention at the top of the show that Gunnar Henderson went down last night. He left with lower back discomfort. So um, what I've got for you is a prayer circle. I'm lighting candles. I'm you know praying hourly <laughs> that he is okay. He can have my back if he so chooses. Um, also, the College Game Day podcast, we did an episode of that yesterday. A lot of fun with Reese Davis and Pete Thamel. You should subscribe to the ESPN College Football YouTube page because those guys are going to be on YouTube starting next week with their conference previews. Very excited. I think the Big Ten is the first conference we're going to uh, to preview with those two. So uh, a lot of exciting things in store for the college football season. That's the College Game Day podcast. You can listen to that where you're listening to this right now and on YouTube. And on the Baseball Tonight podcast, a lot of exciting stuff. On Friday, Todd Radom, our friend, is going to be hosting a conversation with Jana Marie Smith, who, of course, was behind uh, the genius that is Camden Yards. This will be a conversation leading into our Sunday night game between the Orioles and the Yankees. Uh, on Sunday night, after the Sunday night game, Taylor, we have special plans. We're going to be taping a podcast at Camden Yards. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of fun. We've got a couple of uh, potential guests in mind there. And then on Tuesday, 
We get the trade deadline special right after the trade deadline. We're going to get together and tape reaction to what we see at the deadline. Buster, we're going to be spending a lot of time together. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it. They won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Before we talk with David Schoenfield, here's some of the latest context in the trade market. As I said, the Angels are now 7-3 and three since the All-Star break as they go through this critical period deciding whether they'll trade Shohei Otani. According to Fangraphs, the current chances of making the postseason stand at 16%. Execs with other teams continue to report that the Angels have not yet declared a willingness to actually trade Otani, although they'll listen to any offer someone wants to make. The Red Sox traded Enrique Hernandez to the Dodgers for a couple of relievers, Nick Robertson and Justin Hageman. We know this is a seller's market generally, but one exec that I spoke with on Tuesday noted that a lot of the potential buyers in the starting pitching market are looking for pitchers who could be under team control beyond this year, which means that many teams who are marketing starters heading for free agency, guys like Cardinal, the Cardinals' Jack Flaherty, Jordan Montgomery, for example, might have a more difficult time getting teams to meet their asking price. Jordan Hicks could be a free agent at uh, Jordan Hicks could be a free agent at year's end, but he is reportedly discussing an extension with the Cardinals. This, according to Katie Wu of the Athletic, and general managers continue to say there are a large number of teams that haven't declared themselves to be buyers or sellers. Welcome to the show! Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, mate. Welcome to the show. Whoa! Welcome to the show, baby. You're in the show with David Schoenfield. David Schoenfield covers baseball for ESPN. Dave, how you doing? 
Uh, I'm good. Just getting ready for this heat wave that's about to hit Connecticut uh, this weekend. But uh, and I guess I'm paying attention to the trade rumors on the side. You're paying attention to trade rumors. You're going to minor league game tonight. You were telling me about this before we got started. Uh, you're going to go see a pitcher in a unique situation. Tell us about that. Yeah, some of you listeners, you might remember Noah Song was a draft pick, I think way back in 2019 by the Red Sox out of Navy. Um, fifth round pick, but he kind of had first round talent. His commitment to the Navy is over, but the Phillies had selected him as a Rule 5 pick um, last offseason. So he's starting tonight for Lehigh Valley. He's been uh, injured all season, Buster. Um, so the Phillies have to you make You used their quotes just for everyone to see. You yeah, used the, their quotes when you said that, which right. it's funny how those Rule 5 guys get injured quite often. Right, they do. So, yeah, the Phillies have to make a decision by Friday whether to promote him um, to the 40-man ro- or to the Major League roster or offer him back to the Red Sox. So he's only throwing like nine innings. Um, I'm not sure if he's ready for the Major Leagues, but he throws hard, so we'll see uh, what he has. You know what? And if you actually believe in the guy's talent at this point, because we're you know at the end of July, you just have to hang on, right, basically right. for another 35 days. You know, yeah. have him carry a spot leading up to August and then September, the rosters open up. It's easier to carry someone like him. So it probably comes down to the talent that you see tonight, whether or not, the, you know, the Phillies believe in that. And, you know, keep in mind also that they just lost, uh, officially lost uh, Andrew Painter for the rest of the year with Tommy John surgery and for a lot of next year. So that that'll be an interesting game. I'm sure at some point you're going to be getting a, a text message from our boss uh, asking you to react to some sort of trade because it feels like it's starting to break a little bit. Dodgers get Kike Hernandez last night. What do you think yeah, of that? Yeah, I think that's, yeah, kind of the, you know, we had a couple minor moves the Braves made the other day for some relievers. But, yeah, the first sort of big name, not that Hernandez, he really hasn't hit much the last two years. but Fielded. Yeah, yeah. So, but, you know, look, the Dodgers, they've been playing Mookie Betts at second base nine out of their last ten games. So, they you know, and their outfielders all hit left-handed. So I think they want at least Hernandez as a platoon guy for second. You can move Mookie back to the outfield when a lefty starts. So a little more flexibility, not a game changer, but I think we'll get some bigger ones coming up here. So as I, I was preparing for the show today, uh, looking at the standings, and this was really interesting, uh, and thinking about what the conversations that have gone on in recent years – you know, uh, idiots like me, you know, 2020, 21, 22, were writing about the polarized standings, how it really felt like that you had these really, really bad teams and these really, really good teams, and that, uh, you know, that was not good for baseball. Set that aside, it was very interesting this year and this moment, when you look at the standings and you think about the teams that we're seeing right now, Dave, I think it's as as open a field as I've seen as we go through the trade deadline down the stretch in terms of who potentially is a, you know, a playoff favorite. I mean, even the Atlanta Braves, who I think you probably, you and I both put them number one in this week's power rankings on ESPN.com. Got some pitching issues. Yeah. Like I don't look at them as being a super team necessarily, 
Uh, you know, the Baltimore Orioles right now probably are number two on a lot of people's lists. They look like they could use some pitching help before the deadline. Like, I don't feel it's as top-heavy as it's been in recent years, and I wonder if that's going to potentially inform some of the decisions made through the trade deadline where if you're the Houston Astros, you might be in second place in your division, but you're thinking, hey, you know, not only do we think we can uh, make a ground and, and uh, with the right moves and, and win the American League West – well, we might have a chance to be the first team to go back-to-back since those 98 to 2000 Yankees. Yeah, it is fascinating, Buster. You go Braves, Orioles, Rays, Dodgers, you know, Astros, Rangers, probably my top six in some order. They all have issues about their starting rotation. There is no team that you say right now has a dominant starting rotation, whether injuries or performance or what have you. So that's what makes it interesting. But what makes it interesting are those teams on the bubble that might have some pitching to offer. Marcus Stroman with the Cubs, Blake Snell with the Padres. Are they buying? Are they selling? We don't know. They're barely on the fringes of the playoff race. And those are kind of the teams that are going to make the the deadline interesting. But I'm with you. The playoffs are going to be at Braves certainly will be the favorite. But I'm with you completely wide open. And it's because of – the lack of dominant rotations this year. And along those lines, it's very interesting. You, you know, I've been talking with sources within the Yankees organization for a couple months. And while they have struggled and the offense has been, has been very, uh, you know, it's been very frustrating for them to watch. There's always been this feeling of, man, if we get into the postseason with this bullpen that we have, uh, with Gary Cole throwing well, potentially if, if Carlos Rodon you know, picks up his performance, we could go, we could do some damage. Like this team might be well-suited for October. It is interesting that it feels like that they're doing a very un-Yankee-like thing and pushing Aaron Judge back from this injury. You know, typically my, you know, my, uh, you know, the history of watching that team, I think they like to keep guys out as healthy as possible, to get them as healthy as possible because they always assume they're going to be playing in October it does feel like they're bringing Judge back sooner than they normally would because of their situation. What do you think of that? Yeah, but you can. I guess we can understand why they just yes. haven't hit. They cannot score runs, you know. And they're what? They're two and a half out of the last wild card spot, so they'd have to jump over Boston and Toronto just to get into the playoffs. You know, they still got a bunch of games within the division the last two months, so. I can see why, but you're right. The Yankees normally play it very conservatively with resting players and not rushing them back and all that kind of stuff. But they got to see if he can play, you know. I don't know if there's potential risk of furthering the injury if he comes back too soon. But if he can go out there and even just DH, you got to get him in the lineup. Yeah, it sounds like he's headed off-season surgery. Uh, and he, they know that he's not going to be 100% the rest of this year. But he's so important to the lineup. You know, it's uh, people have wondered, okay, if he comes back and he can't play in the outfield, then what are you going to do? Are you going to put Stanton in, you know, in right field? Are you going to put him in left field? Whatever it is, the priority for me, if I'm the Yankees, is putting Judge in the lineup. What about you? Yeah, and look, you know, especially at Yankee Stadium, Stanton, he can fake right field. I know, you know, the guy <laughs> – he wasn't a bad outfielder back in the day. I know it's been a long time since he's been a, a regular out on defense, but he should be able to handle right field, especially if Aaron Judge is only at 
70% or what have you, that's kind of a, a equal trade-off. So, but you got to get judges batting the lineup, bottom line. All right. We're going to take the daily temperature of the Otani situation. The Angels now, as I said, top of the show, seven and three since yeah. the All-Star break. We know that Artie Moreno's uh, reflex is to not sell Otani. I think it's at this point, like unless they completely collapse the next five days, he ain't going anywhere. Yeah, how you can't give up on a season. They're three and a half behind that last well. One game behind the Yankees. You just laid out the Yankees situation. They're one game behind them. They're right there. You cannot give up on the season. And this, I think we underestimate this. And we talk about teams, you know, like the Cubs and the Padres. You can throw the Mariners in there, you know, those 500-type teams. It's pretty hard to sell your players on we're giving up on the season and we're trading away some of you guys when you've worked so hard to at least stay in the race. You know, that's a tough blow to your players, your organization, and your fans. Now we've seen teams do it, no doubt. There's teams on the cusp who do decide to sell. But um, I don't know. I think it might not be that active of a deadline if all these teams say we're close enough to make a run. I'll disagree with you uh, in one part of the, the the trade deadline, and I'll get back to that in a second when we talk about the starting pitching market. But I want to start with this. The guy who shut down the Yankees lineup last night was Justin Verlander. And, and look, the one thing that I absolutely love, or one thing I love about this time of year is small sample size makes a huge difference. You know, all year we have the analysts uh, doing projections based on years of results. And this is the one time of year where a dominant outing by a reliever, a dominant performance by a starting pitcher uh, will open people's eyes. If I'm a contending team and I'm looking at the starting pitching market, I know the Mets now are poised to be sellers, and I know that Justin Verlander is a full no-trade clause. You'd have to convince him to, uh, to come to your city and to be part of what you're doing. I'm seeing what I saw with Verlander last night and saying, ah, that was really interesting. What'd you think? Yeah, I was watching that game. You know, again, it's it was the Yankee lineup, so take it with a little grain of salt. I don't have his numbers in front of me, but I know his last six, seven, eight starts, he's been really good. So we keep hearing Max Scherzer's name because of the reports that Scherzer's willing to waive his no trade. We haven't really heard anything about Verlander, but yeah, he's pitching a little better than Scherzer right now. He's got that hot hand, so I'm with you. We all know big contract, $43 million for next year, so you got to figure out how to make that work if you trade for him. But you're right, Buster. He's hot. He looks good. And, yeah, we can go through every trade deadline and find out the guy that's made three good starts in a row gets traded, then he turns into a pumpkin down the stretch. But uh, I don't think that would happen with Verlander. I think he will be a very interesting name here. Yeah, and one thing to keep in mind about Verlander, because he's owed so so much money, $14 million for the rest of this year, $43 million for next year, uh, it might be that the best the Mets do in terms of moving him is to just get the money off their books. Like There might be a lot of motivation because there is so much money. And Taylor, I must say, among all the teams that he potentially could fit great for, it would be your Orioles. Man. (laughs) That would be an interesting addition. And you talk about eye-opening. If they were to make a move on Justin Verlander, that would be pretty cool. 
Buster, don't get me excited like that. Come on, man. Of course it would be awesome. Oh my god. I, I I really I really feel strongly that they should make some sort of splashy move here. I mean, they they could they've got like they've earned it. The players have earned it. The staff has earned it. Yes. Yeah, totally. And, and honestly, like they can move, you know, you can debate on who you want to move, but like you can move two high-end prospects and probably get someone pretty decent. Like, I, I don't think that's too crazy. And they're not depleting the farm system. And you said the other day, Buster, you can't you can't take your window to win. Opportunities for, yeah, for granted. Yeah, for, right. for granted. You get a chance yeah. to win. And to your point, like the Orioles have a have a you know terrific farm system. They've picked a lot of good players. And because they would would be taking on a lot of money, they could tell the Mets, like, look, you're not getting one of our top three guys. Don't even, you know, they could hang up the phone if they asked about Jackson Holiday. Mm -hmm. What you could do is tell the Mets, we're doing you a favor by taking that money yep. off your books. Uh, we will give you prospect, and I'm just pulling the names out of it, right. you know, the numbers out of a hat. We're giving you our ninth best prospect, our tenth best prospect. You'll take that and you'll be happy about it. You know, the big question would be whether or not Verlander and, and you know, Kate Upton, whether or not, uh, you know, the, how they would feel about a move to, you know, to, to, to Baltimore. Uh, about the starting pitching market, one more thing I want to throw at you before you go. I heard this really astute observation from a general manager yesterday that he mentioned, as we've been describing this as being a great seller's market because there are very few sellers and there are a lot of buyers. He did point out, that the one position where this might not necessarily be the case would be in starting pitching because so many of the teams that are potential buyers are looking at, at uh, adding guys, starting pitchers who are under team control beyond this year. Uh, you think of a team like the Cincinnati Reds who are not going to go out and, and spend big on a rental guy who's going to be a free agent a little bit. And, and this executive noted Look, there's so many teams looking for that type of guy. And and if you're Jerry DePoto of the Mariners, you love that because you got Logan Gilbert who would fit uh, fit that perfectly. That those teams that are marketing guys who are going to be free agents in two months, they might run into a kind of a problem uh, where there might be potentially uh, more sellers than buyers in that market. And you think about all the guys who are impending free agents, Lucas Giolito, Lance Lynn, Jack Flaherty, Jordan Montgomery, uh, you know, Marcus Stroman who can opt out of his deal at the end of this year, Eduardo Rodriguez who can opt out of his deal at the end of this year. I think that there's a lot of need for starting pitching in the marketplace. You know, Rich Hill of the Pirates, another guy, Heller of the Royals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You wait. If you need a starting pitcher, you might be able to wait a little bit and get a pretty good deal just by taking on a little bit of money. No, that's fair. And you threw out the name of Logan Gilbert. Certainly, he would be an interesting name. Um, maybe a fit for Baltimore if they're willing to trade yes. prospect and get a pitcher with four more years of team control. Uh, the Mariners obviously <laughs> need some offense, so maybe there's a match there. Dylan Cease of the White Sox, if they're like, we're just going to blow this whole thing up, you know, he's got a couple more years. Hey, of can I interject real quick? Yep. What I'm hearing from other teams is about the White Sox is, as of yesterday, they were still saying the guys we're going to trade are free agents. Yeah. Maybe you should open it up. Maybe <laughs> for the White Sox, you should start to think big picture and be willing yeah. to go through another full rebuild. Sorry. Yeah, no, yeah, that that's exactly the point, you know. Because those, you're right. Those are teams would rather 
give up more to get more, you know, meaning a Gilbert or a Cease, you know, that, you know, you're going to have, you know, beyond just this year, you, you know, you've mentioned, you know, teams don't want to give up a top prospect for two months of Jack Flaherty or Jordan Montgomery. Or Jordan Montgomery. We've Montgomery. seen that in recent years. You don't get, a, you just don't get a lot for those guys. So, I mean, I'm sure the Cardinals will trade them, but, you know, if you're a Cardinals fan, don't expect to get a team's, you know, one, two, three, or four prospect for those guys. No, no. Lance Lynn, to me, would be the epitome of this, where everyone has been writing about Lance Lynn being available for months. Yeah. But in the end, when we get down to the deadline, is someone going to give you something good for Lance Lynn? No, it might be the only thing the White Sox really get out of a Lance Lynn trade would be to save a little bit of money if they right. can convince some team to take the guy. Uh, so I think that potential buyers in the starting pitching market might do okay by the time we get to the deadline. And that might be a group where we see a flurry on Monday of names move because the, the buyers are waiting for the prices to drop. Yeah, I think so. Especially when you factor in that there just doesn't seem to be the depth of position players available. Certainly most of the big names out there that we're hearing are pitchers, you know, teams looking for hitting, don't expect to acquire much help in that area. Exactly. All right, Dave, have fun uh, going to the game tonight. Report back, okay? Tell us what you see. All right, see you guys. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code BASEBALL. That's code BASEBALL. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. That's vividseats.com today, code BASEBALL. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Dogs are an important part of our lives and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you gotta check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NexGuard Plus Chews. They're the one and done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. Eduardo Perez is an analyst for ESPN, and tonight he's part of the broadcast team that's going to do the game between the Atlanta Braves, the best team in the National League so far, and the Boston Red Sox. And Eduardo, the Red Sox are coming on. You buying? You have to, right? I mean, the reason I'm buying is because they're going to get a lot of guys that you would probably get in trades, but they already have in the organization that they've just not been able to play together. And I think it all starts with a wonderful story, and that's Trevor Story, who's doing really well at the minor league level and rehab, coming back, and he's going to be a shortstop. 
And I think that's going to give them more of an offense. That'll give them a veteran presence. Also, another veteran presence on that left side of the infield. And I think it's going to play well for them. But it's not only that. It's Tanner Hawk. It's uh, you know Chris Sale coming back as well. Uh, Garrett Whitlock, and, maybe. Uh, Garrett Whitlock at the same time. And when you get those guys back, and they're hoping that it's not too late uh, when they come back, that they can make an impact to get into the wild card. Because I don't think winning the division for them is going to be a reality. But now winning a wild card spot isn't as bad as it used to be because at least you have two out of three to play for. Yeah, and I think you'd agree with me. Their turnaround, you know, we've talked about veteran players, you know, guys like Sale and Story, but their turnaround has been built on two guys. Uh, Jaron Duran, their center fielder, and Tristan Cassis. Tell me, you as someone who knows hitting well, what's different about those two guys now compared to when we saw them early in the year when they, let's face it, they, well, last year, especially with Duran, he was struggling. Cassis was struggling early in the year. Knowing that they belong, knowing that they don't have to live between Worcester and Boston. I think that plays a major role. Everybody talks about, okay, let's look at the mechanics. What are they doing? Are they holding their hands higher? Yes, Duran is doing that because Petey told him to do that. That's Dustin Pedroia told him to do that in spring training. That has worked for him, but it's the fact that you understand that you are a big leaguer. It's the fact that you understand that that uh, getting to uh, the ballpark, you're going to be in that lineup. You don't have to see if, okay, where am I hitting? Am I on the bench or am I playing? And this happened with Tristan Cassis as well. I admire what Boston did. Um, at the beginning, I was one of the critical ones. What's he still doing in the big leagues? Well, you know what? They allowed him to fail early on in the big leagues and to figure it out and to, and to understand the why. And we haven't seen that from a lot of organizations anywhere else. But Boston was very patient uh, with Cassis, with Duran. And because of that patience, especially with Cassis this year, it's really paid off. He's more aggressive in the zone and he's not missing those pitches. And yeah, he's walking less, but he's walking less because he's not pitching. He's not missing pitches in the zone. So good for Tristan Cassis and Jaron Duran and the Boston Red Sox for being that patient. When you and I first heard about Cassis, the one consistent thing that you always heard about him was he has great plate appearances. He controls the strike zone. And that seems to have extended even further because he's commanding the the pitch clock. And it was very interesting to hear Alex Gord uh, when we met with him before Sunday's game talk about how in spring training, when they were presenting the pitch clock and uh, the ramifications of it to veteran players, it was Cassis who basically stood up and said, okay, this is what you do. This is how I handle it. And, and Eduardo, you know, I mean, you and I watch a lot of games every single day. I don't think any hitter in baseball, veteran or young guy, controls the pitch clock, controls the tempo of the plate appearances the way that he does. But, you know, I'm an, I'm an idiot who didn't make me on JV. What do you see? Yeah, and it doesn't matter because you can, you can be an idiot that didn't make it out of elementary school as well uh, if you want to go that far. Well, I made it out of elementary school. I'm talking about <laughs> athletic achievement. Okay, Edward? <laughs> I just could have passed that one up. Uh, look. I think it's really cool the fact that when you watch, and, and tonight would be a great example, watch Tristan Cassis as soon as the pitch is delivered and, it, and, and the pitch is done, he'll get out of the batter's box. He'll take his time, but he doesn't just walk around. He'll have that left foot 
planted right on the corner of the box in the last part. He'll hold his hands right in front of his bat and his hands right in front of him. And what he's doing, he's looking at the clock. And at the 11 to 10 second mark, he gets in position to get ready. Now, if the pitch, if the bat, if the at bat goes more than two pitches already after the second pitch, there will be a 1 1 situation. And it's a 1 1 situation. He asks for time. Why does he do that? Because there's a belief in baseball that the 1 1 count is the most important pitch in an at bat. Not a lot of players do this. They wait until the 3 2. The young, and I'm talking the young novice player that deals with the pitch clock, and that's the veteran guys in the big leagues, and they don't know how to deal with it. They wait till 3 2 and they ask for time. Well, the most important pitch in the game is 1 1. So he knows it can teeter between 2 1, it gives you an unbelievable advantage, or 1 2, that gives you an unbelievable disadvantage. And he takes his time there, make sure that he does not waste that 1 1 pitch. I think it's brilliant. I don't think a lot of people have figured it out, but just watching him in that game, I had an aha moment around the third or fourth at bat of his at bat. And I was like, smart. I like what you're doing. And, and not a lot of pitchers are ready for that one, one time. And he works the count in his favor. And, you know, he kind of reminds me of, and you feel free to steal this in tonight's game uh, during a broadcast. He kind of reminds me as you were talking, I was like, it's like the way Peyton Manning used to use the play clock, you know, the Omaha, Omaha, sort of like controlling everything that was going on, watching what was going on in front of him uh, and, you know, d- d- determining or just trying to control the situation. And a ma- Peyton Manning would always do that with the way as the clock ticked down and it always seemed to, to he he found a way to use it to his advantage. Tom Brady was the same way. And maybe that's the uh, the example you use uh, on the broadcast tonight when you're in New England, Eduardo. Um, real quick before we move on to other topics, the Red Sox are facing the Braves tonight. I think they're one of the teams that need to add more pitching before the deadline. As good as they are, as deep a lineup as they are, you know their standard is going to be to try to get through October, through the playoffs, potentially the World Series, because they just won the World Series a couple of years ago. And I think they're short on pitching. What about you? Yeah, that, that's the one. That's the one thing that that the the Braves are, I believe, in need of, and that's one arm. Look, they're going to get Max Fried back as well, so they're almost in the same boat as the Red Sox, and wondering where are we going to get the starting pitching from. But there's never, it's never too late to be able to go out and get yourself an arm, and especially in the bullpen, and it's an arms race, and. And um, Alex Anthopoulos understands that really well. He understands that he can get to the big leagues with the young starting arms. I mean, to the World Series with the young starting arms. But he needs veteran presence in the bullpen. And if the bullpen can work well in his favor, um, who knows he can give his coaching staff a, uh, an advantage from it. But right now, you just have Charlie Morton, Spencer Strider, and Bryce Elder in that rotation consistently. Max Fried will definitely give you an advantage but I believe that they have the pocketbooks if needed to go out and get themselves and they'll have the approval from ownership to go out and get themselves a big time arm as they're only right now, their estimated payrolls just above 200 million. Right. So let's go through some other topics. Rapid fire. We have the Orioles this weekend playing against the Yankees. I'm excited being Camden Yards. I mean, I'm fired up to, to see this Oriole team. What do you think? I am too. I'm excited to see, look, I haven't been there in a while. So I haven't seen the Baltimore yet. That means the big, the, the, the far 
the, the wall in, in left field. How far is it from home plate? I cannot wait to, to stand at home plate because I remember when I played there, I loved hitting there and I loved hitting there because it was a fair ballpark as far as the hitter was and concerned. Listen to you, the hitter. Oh my God. It was a triple ballpark. The, with the dimensions. It was my, I think it was my first two homer game in the, in the big leagues was there at Camden Yards, I believe. Uh, it was there against Arthur Rhodes. I won't forget that day, but I think it would have left even with the wall being where it was. But for for this sake, I'll probably say it wasn't. Um, but it's it's a great place. It's a great, lot of memories that I have having been there in Baltimore. Um, that's I was there. I witnessed when Kyle Ripken broke the record. Uh, so just going back and understanding how much history has been there at Camden Yards, I, I appreciate also what the front office of the Baltimore Orioles have done. I appreciate that they, they did it from the ground up, that even though with the struggles of ownership that we've all heard from the outside, that they have been able to continue their work and not listen to the noise. And the players have been able to also come through for them. They got the right players. There's no doubt about it. You know, it's one thing to have the tank and to have, you know, a number one overall pick, uh, you know, number two overall, three, four, five, whatever, but you still got to pick the right players. And they certainly yeah. have. Yeah. So it's going to be a lot of fun this weekend. We're fired up to be in Camden Yards and, uh, you know, to see, especially with the Yankees kind of hanging on the edge with their season. The Angels also hanging on the edge. They're seven and three since the All Star break. Uh, Eduardo, their playoff chances, according to Fangraphs, are 16%. Does this affect your very strong opinion about whether or not they should trade Shohei Otani? Okay, so let me ask you this. Are they the best team in the West? Not even close. Are they the second best team in the West? Not even close. Are they the third best team in the West, in your, in Maybe. your opinion? Maybe. Okay, that's, okay, so that's teetering right there. Um because I still have the Mariners, even though the Mariners are a game behind the Angels of being, as being the third best team in the West. I don't know if their pitching can sustain a playoff run. I don't think their team, the way it's constructed, can sustain a long playoff run because you're going to have Shohei Otani for once every six days, whoever you go, uh, if you are going to be in that postseason. I don't think at the last minute Shohei is going to say, I'll pitch on three days rest. He hasn't done it. I don't think he will do it. Um, and I think trading Shohei Otani for the organization in the long run is the right move. Keeping Shohei Otani for the short time in Anaheim could be the short-term solution of a right move for Artie Moreno because of all the investments that they do have. When you look in that stadium, you look at all the advertisement, a lot of it is Japanese advertisement. They would most likely lose all that advertisement if they do trade them. So I think an owner that made his money in advertisement has to think about all these things. This goes beyond what Shohei Otani can do on the field. This goes beyond the Angels making the postseason or not. Oh, by the way, they haven't made it in quite some time. And Shohei Otani's never, never played a postseason game in October. So I still believe that they should. But right now, them winning Petering, I can 10. feel you a week ago you were like gotta go gotta move him yeah. now you're kind of like well you know I, I don't oh, know that's what I'm feeling I from would you. trade him I would trade him but yeah. I don't know if the angels would yeah I, I think the, the, best, door, for the better of the organization 
they should trade. But I don't know if that's what they're going to do. I talked to someone within the Blue Jays organization yesterday. He said, it's crazy to think, but you guys might be the only shot for these contending teams to get Otani because they face the Angels this weekend. I think the only chance the Angels now become they sell Otani would be if they get blitzed over the next four or five days. And that's it. And Artie has a, a visceral response and gets frustrated and throws his hands in the air. Otherwise, seven and three out of the break. And all the factors we talked about with Otani, sell him, trade him, I, I think they're it's all trending toward them keeping him past the deadline. Lastly, before we go, give me 60 seconds. Contending team you think is most in need of help, whether it's the Astros rotation lineup, uh, whether it's the Yankees with where they are after an ugly uh, game last night, the Dodgers. Give me a contending team you, you say absolutely has got to do something. I think the I think the the Astros have to, and I think they must do something. I think their general manager is going to put his fingerprint on this roster. I think he's going to do it right now in the trade deadline. I think this is this is a move right now that the Houston Astros uh, will do. They the ownership expects them to play deep into October. Fan base expects them to play deep into October, and I think it, because of it, they know that they need starting pitching. And starting pitching, I think they, I wouldn't be surprised if they go after, let's say, Justin Verlander and bring him back. If you look at it, they had him down for a two year, $50 million deal, right? And right now he's owed just a little bit under $14 million if he gets traded by the trade deadline from his $43.3 million contract. 14, 43, you'd pay him two years, just over $57 million or so um, in two years. Isn't that what they had him for? originally so and if we can pitch in two close seasons this is something that i believe that they can handle they can do and ownership even though they need to sign altuve or they need to make decisions with bregman later on in the future they are willing to win because jim crane wants to win and they need that starter back and why not a guy that's familiar with that organization justin Berlin. I completely agree with you. And it might be that a Verlander deal would mostly involve cash, which is, uh, as you know, for a team that's yeah. thinner in the farm system, it's a little bit easier. Uh, if they go the other route uh, and they wind up making a prospect trade, I think they and the Cubs, they feel like it's inevitable between Cody Bellinger, Marcus Bellinger. Stroman, something there. It, it feels like, and I agree with you, I think the Astros have a chance to be the first team since the Yankees 98-2000 to go back-to-back. Uh, you know you're around them recently. They are confident that they're going to be able to do that, and I think they'll do something. And let's not forget one thing. Marcus Stroman had a really good relationship with Martin Maldonado because of the World Baseball Classic. So there if there's go. somebody to advocate for Marcus Stroman in that clubhouse, because also it's about team chemistry, it could be Martin Maldonado making a difference in Dusty Baker's ear. All right, Eduardo. Have a great broadcast tonight. Thanks for joining us. You got it, Buster. Bleacher Tweets. All righty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a Wednesday. First up, we have K. George at K. Geo. I don't know that K. George has ever written in, so we appreciate the first time Bleacher Twitter here. Yep. Uh, JP France led the Astros past the Rangers to within one game of a series sweep and securing the season tiebreaker against Texas. Is France now a surprise AL Rookie of the Year candidate? 2022 Framber Valdez quality start tour. 2023 quality start tour de France. Ooh. Okay, I made some stupid picks before the year started. I had the Padres winning the World Series. I will say my rookie of the year picks are looking pretty good. I picked Gunnar Henderson before the year started. 
just hope that that back is is a okay, man. Yep. Michael Baldwin, 13M Baldwin, writes in the devoted A's fan base, pulled a second reverse boycott at the A's Giants game last night. The on-air team mentioned it in passing, but tragically sad that there's very little A's fans can do when they have an owner who only cares about cash payouts. Pour one out for the reverse boycott last night. Yeah, uh, Michael, I agree with you. There's not much the fans can do. They're totally... Uh, they, they really don't have much power at all in this situation. Uh, I mentioned... You know, there are some folks who run teams who look at their clubs as being public trusts in a sense, and they understand that a lot of people care about those teams. And I, and I do feel like Oakland's ownership doesn't care at all about the fans. Zach Beeson at Zach Beeson 22 writes in Buster. I'm praying my angels keep Otani. If they do, uh, they have the right, they have to make the move, the right moves before the trade deadline, instead of going forward with what they have, right? Rendon for Nolan Arenado, make it happen, Artie. I don't know. How is that happening, Zach? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'd say this and Zach, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I mentioned, I think that unless you see a complete collapse by the angels at this point, the next five days, we're getting blown out every day that he's going to wind up staying with the team. I'd say that, you know, Anthony Rendon gets mentioned a lot in trade rumors, even, you know, by people in industry. He has a full no-trade clause. And he has one of the worst contracts in the history of the sport. It ain't happening. Yeah, that's weird. That's weird that people in the industry would bring it up, too. Seems odd. Yeah, it is weird. Gregory Gregory Gosnell, Carl's Jr., 9982, writes in, would a team like the Mets go after Trevor Bauer next year? They need pitching, especially if they sell. He'd come cheat still could be effective or would the press surrounding him be too much, especially in that media market? Gregory, this is just a guess. He's never going to pitch in the big leagues again. Uh, He, uh, you know, I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, I think with everything that's happened, I'd be very surprised that he'd ever pitch in the major league, mid major league baseball or for an organization again. Brian Stone King writes in my take on the hall of fame. It's too watered down with above average players. Stats across errors. Don't compare. 500 home runs post-1990. It is not the same as before. 3,000 strikeouts equally. So also the voting system, in my opinion, a player should appear on the ballot once. Check yes or no. What do you think about Brian's criticisms? Yeah, Brian, and I think it's more of an observation than a criticism. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the fact is, is that when you have these, you know, veterans committees, uh, select committees, that they, you know, I think initially were put in to make sure that, you know, egregious errors were addressed. So that if somebody who had a huge impact on the sport just simply was forgotten about, uh, maybe because of race, uh, that 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 can be corrected. But it feels like every time they have a a special committee together, they always vote somebody in. And eventually, after years after year after year of them voting in guys who were not voted in by the writers, it is naturally going to bring down the bar, you know? Mm -hmm. And and as I've said on the podcast before, I covered Harold Reynolds I think he's he's a great guy. He had a great career. Uh, I you know uh, in this under the standards of the Hall of Fame as I knew them when I was a kid. There's no chance he would have gotten in the Hall of Fame. But when you add you know when you add Harold Baines and uh, guys like that, man, it, it is going to naturally bring down the bar. And all the decisions made by writers after that, they have to follow the precedent. And my feeling is, look, if, if Harold Baines is in the Hall of Fame, Steve Garvey should be in the Hall of Fame, and Dale Murphy should be in the Hall of Fame. So it's only going to accelerate in terms of the, the number of, of guys uh, who will wind up making speeches in Cooperstown. There's no doubt about it. 
Jesse Pruitt writes in, as a follow-up to the question about AL MVP yesterday, if Otani got traded to the NL and he and Acuna remained at current pace for stats, could Shohei win the NL MVP too? Again, a ridiculous conversation we're having. No, he he wouldn't uh, because Acuna, his production in the National League would far outstrip anything that Otani would do in two months with the National League team. Last one for today, uh, Matt at Kayaking Smith. He was taunting fellow listener Jeremy Termini about uh, the Yankees on Twitter, and uh, he's suggesting that Jeremy should find uh, some fun things to do this fall. Would you bet the family farm that the Mets and the Yankees don't both don't make the playoffs right now? No, I would not. It's funny. I had uh, I had this conversation with one of our colleagues yesterday. You know that that American League wild card race to me is wide open in part because of what Dave and I were talking about, and I don't know if you agree with my observation. The the super teams that we've seen in recent years, those dominant regular season teams, we don't really see one of those teams right now. Mm-mm. No, no, it's absolutely why. I mean, the, the, I think the the Red Sox are like the best example of that. You know, they beat the Braves last night. They they win a series over the weekend, like. I, how do you how do you count them out? I mean, I'm they're they're looking frisky. They make me nervous as an Orioles fan. Not that they're gonna take the AL East lead back, but when we see them again, like they're no pushover. No, no, that's exactly right. The Phillies again are demonstrating yes, absolutely. Right? Where they were kind of buried, but they've made up ground, and they would be really dangerous to me if they get in the postseason. But there's no guarantee they're gonna get there because that National League wild card race is so is absolutely packed. How about this? How about Brewers and Reds right now? They're they're playing a series. Those oh, two. Man. I mean, th- those either of those teams could be frisky in the playoffs. I don't want to see either one of them if I'm in the NL. Who would have guessed at any point this year that we would see two National League Central teams in the playoffs? It's very possible. Yeah, yeah. The way those teams are playing right now, I never would have guessed that. It's it's this is this is a lot of fun, man. Going to the trade deadline, it's going to get spicy here. I'm very excited as we we start to creep creep towards fall. Absolutely. All right, that's it for today. My thanks to Eduardo, Dave, Bruce, Sarah, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus Chews provides one and done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, They're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews.